Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Can you help me this morning? I have three brave dads that are come, going to come and join me this morning so that we can have dads on the couch chat. And so would you welcome John Moore as he comes, Cliff Hopkins, and also Pori Gould. I think he's joining us. Come on, put your hands together. Braving it for the couch. We're going to get you a microphone along the way. Good to have you here, John, Cliff, Pori. It's all gone really serious, huh? <laughs> you know, um, let me just make some comment up front that we know in a crowd this size that there's many of us that have had great experiences with our dads, others not so great and others further down on the spectrum. But you know, when you come into the Kingdom of God, you never look at your future based upon your lowest common denominator. We don't look at our future from a place of brokenness, but we look at our future from the promises of God. And so I wanna be let off the hook this morning. I want you to let dads off the hook also, that we're going to have a very honest and open chat around fathering. And let's look at all of this from the perspective that none of us could ever measure up to the expectation of a father that is outlined in Scripture. Is that okay? I'm I'm thinking about moments with my dad over the years. I I can see one distinct moment right now. He he has fists that even now at 85, they're still huge. Trust me, when I was a teenager, they were 10 times that size. But I see this one, one vision of Dad sitting on the couch the night after my mother had died, crying and able to do nothing else than hit the side rest of the chair as he worked through the process of grief. I see another picture of him supporting me in moments of victory and defeat. And so we all have these pictures in our minds that are our experience, but today... I want to talk about fathering with these guys. We have a father that's quite experienced on the edge of the couch there. John, you're a dad, a granddad, not yet a great grandfather (laughs) too soon. (laughs) And then we have a new to the world dad. How many many children do you have, Cliff? One and two and a half. (laughs) And Pori with three, a little bit further on the track. Let's get started this morning. Uh, let's start talking about something you've got right as a dad over the years. And I think, that, uh, John, we should start with you because you've been at it longer. Well, I don't think you ever get it right. Um, so I'll say, say more of the things I think I've learnt to do better rather than get them right. Great. And I think the biggest one for me would be listening. As a type of person I am with my personality trait, I'm not one to do a lot of listening. I'd rather fix the problem for them, da-da-da-da, throw money at it or whatever. <laughs> um, but now I sort of learned that throwing money at it and fixing the problem doesn't help them to learn in life. So I've learned now to stand back and just listen. And when they get to the point where it becomes a big problem, then I'm there for them. Um, and I've noticed that even with my grandchildren that... Um, I watch them do things now in the house and I do a, I do a lot of watching as you get older, you do a lot of watching. 
and you study them and every move they do and the things they do um, and you learn to stand back, watch and just be there for them. Great. That's a good thought. You do do a lot of watching as the years go on, huh? Come on, Cliff. Fresh out the blocks as a dad. Uh, I'd say for myself, the biggest thing that I'm doing right is just uh, exposing my children to Christ. You know, whether it's bringing them here or, you know, reading the Bible stories, kids' church. I've literally got my house set up. I can come home and I just need to say I'm home and worship music starts playing in the background. Very Um, cool. You know, um, we've had a few times recently where my daughter Sophia in the car has asked to listen to worship music. I look in the mirror and I just see her with her hands up, eyes closed. Uh, you know, it's, it's That's quite cool, isn't it? There, there was a moment just a few weeks ago we were being prayed for down the front and all I could feel while I'm trying to concentrate and pray was my daughter trying to push my hand up, <laughs> uh, you know, telling me I'm not, I'm not doing it right. <laughs> so, that is cool. If I'm doing nothing else right, I think I'm doing that right. Very good. What a great start. What a great start. Come on, that deserves a response. No pressure, Pori. Talk to us about one thing that you're doing right. We're just going to use the one microphone, are we? I think so. I think we just, there we go. One thing, I'm glad it wasn't 10 things you're doing right. Um, As a kid, I always admired other kids who were confident and sort of, um, you know, just comfortable in their own skin. And I don't think I was always that kid myself, but what I'm pleasantly surprised about um, and I don't know if it's because of me, but I, one thing I feel I'm getting right with my kids is that they're confident little kids uh, and it, it just it makes me smile. So I'm there to try and build that confidence, uh, encourage outside the, outside the box thinkers, independent thought, not following a crowd, but like what do you think about this? You figure out the situation and um, like my son's Seaton, like... When kids pretend to be animals, you know, little boys particularly, they'll choose, you know, lions, tigers. Say, son, what, what, uh, what animal did you choose to be you know, when you're playing with your friends? And he's like, well, secretary bird. I'm like, oh, oh, awesome, man. Like, what, why a secretary bird? And he's like, well, Dad, they've got big, long legs. They can step on cobras. They can kill them. Like, secretary birds are awesome. So it's like, that's outside the box. Is there such thing as a secretary bird? Oh yeah, there's a thing. It's, um... I don't want to Google that one, huh? <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. And um, I suppose the, the other thing I see firmly in in my role in the parenting thing is to to have a, a respect for chain of command. Like you know, there there is you want to be a leader. You're you're confident. You're outside the box thinking. Great. You're going to be a leader, but to apply that as you get older, you, you have to understand um, respect and chain of command. And yeah, I'm, I'm the dad that enforces that and I think I'm doing an okay job. Very cool. Very cool. I think it's good for us to be reminded that one of the best things we can do with our children is not teach them what to think, but how to think. And that's what we just heard from Pori, which is great. John, I know that as a dad, there's lots of things I'd like to go back and change if I could, but I can't. But if I could have a conversation with myself now 
as the 22-year-old or young dad that I was at 19 and I could change one thing, improve one thing, I would, what would it be for you? If you could improve something along the journey. I think not being so intense. I was quite an intense father. Um, My expectations were quite high of everything it was supposed to be. Uh, Probably because I didn't have a very good father. So I wanted to be that better father. So I was quite intense. Excuse my emotion, I get like that sometimes. Quite intense with the kids. So I'd say definitely not to be so intense, not to expect them to be only to be what they want to be. No, not my expectation, what they can be. And obviously, as you've probably heard me speak around the post, I have a bit of a leadership thing on me. So I was quite tough in that way. And as time went on, um, things changed. And then I met God and halfway through the four kids. And then I had somebody I could talk to about how to bring them up. And it was so much easier, so I wasn't so intense. And I used to talk my problems out with God hmm. and then I could go and talk to the kids after without, without that tension, without that pressure. Um, so it's hard from my era, there wasn't many fathers at all. Uh, I didn't have a good father. Janet's father was absent at the t- for a long, long time. So we didn't have anything to draw on. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm so glad now I did learn to not be so intense. That was my number one thing. Such good advice. Such good advice. I'm thinking about the times now where I get to have fun yeah, yeah, definitely. With children and my grandchildren. And I know that my adult children don't appreciate it so much because I was that same kind yeah. of intense dad, but that's their problem. They can work it out along with you. <laughs> <laughs> There's counsellors for that stuff. Go see a counsellor. Pori, why don't you have a crack at that? What would you... Adjust. So unfortunately, this is an easier question that's come to mind. Um, I mean, there, there are simple ones. Like, I was super stoked to have a little boy when Seaton came along and I wanted nothing more than to go surfing with him. So before he could hardly walk, I, I pushed him in on a wave on a little <laughs> boogie board and he, I think I regressed his... Uh, I think he took a few steps backwards rather than forwards by pushing it. So, like, for, I see a fair few new parents. Uh, if you want to get them into surfing, I think it's the best thing. But slow is better. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd, rate, I'd change that. But something that I'd like to change if I could and I'm actively working on, even day to day, to be totally honest, is... Conflict resolution with your significant other. Like, I've got a beautiful wife and I love her and she's intense and I'm intense and um, sometimes we fight like the little kids and it's, it's not cool, it's, it's not right, it's not a good example for the other guys and it's something we are actively working on together 
Um, when you live in each other's pockets, you go to work together, we do church together, um, it's difficult to find spots to have conflict resolution and I'm pretty sure in front of your kids is not the best one. So I'd, I'd fix that if I could go back and do it again. That's pretty vulnerable. We might have some ad-lib discussions, gents, in a few, a few moments' time, so get ready for that. Cliff, what are your thoughts on the one thing you'd like to improve? It's actually something you said a moment ago, Claude, that really resonated with me, you know, being a, a provider, protector, being present. I know as long as I continue going to work, I'll provide, you know, protecting, you, you know, I like think comes naturally. But it's being present, you know, that's something that I think... I don't think comes naturally, or at least doesn't come naturally to me. I know there's times when, you know, like I get caught up in what I need and what I want out of a situation, and all my girls want is for me to come and sit next to them and have breakfast with them. It's, a, it's such a simple little thing, but it's just being present, I think, is the one thing that I'll Very continue cool. to need to work at. Yeah. Mm. I think... I think you can be a resident father but not be present. Yeah. Like you say, you can be on the couch but not actually be there and all they need is for you to be there and hold their little teacup, which just looks ridiculous to me. <laughs> How can there be anything of that? But it is so powerful for them in that moment. John, I'm going to digress right now just for a moment because I think it will be a good conversation. I really heard what you were saying, Pori, about doing the conflict well as husband and wife and maybe not in front of the children. But you don't have to agree with this, John. Just give us your thoughts or anyone on the couch, really. But Carolyn and I have actually adopted an approach that it's not always good to hide from your children what you're going through as husband and wife. Sometimes they need to just be exposed to a little bit of the reality so that when they get to their moment, in marriage, they don't go, oh, mum and dad never had a strong word with each other. They were always floating on clouds. But they got exposed to some form of the reality. What are your thoughts, John, or on that? He doesn't have to agree. Can I just say that from the moment? He can completely disagree and that's okay. Yeah, um, okay, so... Yeah, I probably don't agree 100% with Good. that. Good. Let's hear it. Um, there's times that there's some things that need to be kept behind doors, I think, between husband and wife, definitely. Um, probably not so much about the general arguments and general bickering. Um, but I think if you've got something that you need to say, like in my case, I suppose, if I um, felt that, Janet wasn't going down the same road as I was, um, we would take it behind the bedroom door and sort it out straight away. Um, not because you don't want to see the kids, the kids seeing you trying to dominate or whatever. It wasn't the case. Or just at the end of the day, the husband has to say one way or another. Look, that sounds very old-fashioned. But I'm sorry, biblically, that's the way it goes. Um, at the end of the day, we wear it. Husbands, you wear it. And so the decision you make with your wife is got to be the right one. And at the end of the day, if she can't make that decision with you, then you have to make it. 
and sometimes the rubber hits the road and you might not agree, but like with Janet does, she'll say, hey, okay, but at the end of the day, it lands on you. So that sort of combo that you have, it gets quite tough. Um, I definitely would take that behind doors. Yeah. Um, I don't think the kids ever saw me domineer their mother in any way or and that's not what it was all about. It, it's open discussion and we've got to make a decision and, and the God factor's got to come into it Yeah. by all means. But if I felt as a husband it wasn't right, we'd definitely take it behind closed doors and sort it. Yeah, that's good. I think the key thing is here is that you've got to know when there needs to be a closed-door conversation where you've got to go and sort your stuff out. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think as the journey goes on, maybe it was in the teenage or young adult stage and phase of my children's lives that our children were aware of, hey, yeah, no, mum and dad do not see the eye to eye on this thing and we're talking it through. We're working it out. But definitely when we have those human moments where... The pots and plans are flying, not naturally, but with words. Oh, they don't happen out there anywhere. Like in the natural, they're not flying. But in my mind, they are flying. You know what I'm talking? Does anyone? Oh, come on, help me, please. Some, one person, thank you for helping me out. I feel better now. Cliff. I think I would have to, I actually agree with both of you. Um, I think let's say if the pots and pans are flying, and that's a behind-closed-doors thing, but we also need to teach our children about conflict resolution. Mm. You know, we want our children to be exposed to what a loving relationship is. Yeah. But then what happens when there's some conflict Great. in their relationship and we as parents never showed them what to do? Outstanding. So I think you need to toe the line a little bit and kind of decide, you know, you need to try and show them, but then also recognise all right, let's just go behind closed doors and finish this. Mm. Great. Very good. Now, this question sounds like the last, but it's just got a little bit of a different angle on it. If you could start over, what would you do differently? And it's a broad question because it could be as simple as just not have kids. Jokes, jokes. It could be as complex as do it later. If you could start over, what, what would you do differently as a dad? We've heard about not being tense. What would you do differently? And it may be pointed towards more of us older guys on the couch that are in the grandfathering stage. What's happened now? Guys and gadgets, hey, you shouldn't put them in their hands, really. Just give them the microphone and tell them don't touch any of the buttons. Let's go. All right. So, um, what would we do? While you're thinking about it, anyone else can come up with advice for us dads out there? I think it would just be trying to be more ready. You know, you, you, they say you never be ready to, to be a parent, but I know for us when, you know, I think maybe a couple of weeks after signing out building contracts and I was working part-time, we found out we were having our first child and I remember explicitly laying in bed trying to crunch numbers in my head and thinking, oh, man, this, <laughs> I'm, I'm, in, I'm in trouble here, this isn't going to happen. 
Um, so then, you know, I had to throw myself into shift work. So then up until a few months ago, I was honestly able to say I've been present at home for dinner and helping my children through the night for less than half of their lives. And, you know, in a few months' time, I'm going to prepare to do shift work again. I think had I waited perhaps a little longer, and again, you, you'll never be ready. There is no right or wrong time, but maybe had I been more prepared beforehand, um, you know, it would have been a little easier. You know, had I gone to uni, had I got a trade, had I done these stereotypical things you're supposed to do, maybe it wouldn't have been as hard as what it has been. So I, I, I sometimes wonder about that. Good thoughts. I think one of the things with fathering is we forget that we haven't always been prepared to be a husband. I mean, how many of us as men growing up, before we dated, before we decided we were going to go and buy the ring and put it on a lady's finger, how many of us were taught by our father or a mentor that before you can take someone on a journey in life, you first need to know where you're going yourself? I got a mentor tell me, years after I was already married, that you have no right marrying someone until you first know where you're going yourself. And I would think for me, I didn't know where I was going. And then we take our wife with us and bring children into the world. And so thankful for the grace of God that can fill in the gaps, take up the slack. You're going to say something to us, Pori? I guess I had two surprises like one when I got married, there's one when I had kids. That was a surprise that you got married? It was, yeah, well, the surprising thing is the narrative out there is, man, it just wrecks, like if you like someone, the good way not to like someone, go get married. And we just, you know, that's the narrative. It's, it's never like, oh, fantastic, I'm really happy for you. It's like it's the game over, like all, all the jokes, you know. And I remember, because I dated for seven years, I wanted to be sure. Um, I'm a, <laughs> So you really have an outstanding wife. Seven years. And I guess the surprise was I, I remember saying to Steph, we should, have, we should have done this sooner. How good's being, like being married is a good thing. I can genuinely say, you know, it's a hard thing, but it, it was a good thing. And I'd say the same with kids. Like if I could do it again, you know, everyone says, kids, you're not going to sleep. There's this and that. They take your time. Absolutely. But... I often will say to Steph, man, I wish we should have done this way sooner. These things are awesome. These little people that are like <laughs> these little versions of yourself charging around, they're unreal. They'll make you laugh. They'll make you insecure. They'll make you vulnerable. They'll make you feel immortal in a sense that there's that little bit of you going through. It's, it's different to a puppy dog and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's different than a puppy dog. There you go. Statement of the day. Very cool. John, you've had time to think. Yeah, no, I, I think out of, out of all of it, um, everything's new that you run into. and In the world we're in t- today, it's so much different. You have this. So if you've got a problem, you can just Google it. <laughs> and I think this is fantastic because I wish I had this when I was a dad, when I first had children because there was so many, especially when they hit teenage age, there were so many questions I could have asked that, you know, but at the same time, I think going into the unknown all the time from, you know, first meeting Janet and getting married and, and marriage was not my thing, eh? I never wanted to get married. I, it was never going to be my epo. I was heading towards the Northern Territory with a brand new little mini moke and a motorbike and I was off after I finished my apprenticeship. 
But I never got there. I met Janet and 18 months later I got married. So it was all, for me, it was everything new all the time with Janet because she was the same way. We, we had no intentions of getting married and then what, what must have been, what, two years later, Kama came along. So, and it just went from Kama, then it went to Toya, then it went to Eamon and then it went to Lige and it just kept on going. So life went very quickly. Um, <laughs> And I just kept on going to work and keep on going to work, keep on going to work because that's what you do as a dad. You provide. And that's what all, all I was taught to do by my father was to provide, bring money into the house. There was lots of opportunities to go and make big money up north, but I always felt to stay close to Janet. And I'm so glad now right. for that because that was God, man. I, I knew that was God because we had, we had such a good ride with the kids don't get me wrong, we had our problems. And I've got one son that drives me nuts still today. But I love him dearly. No matter where they are or what they're doing, you just got to love them, you know? And the number one thing, sorry, the number one thing I think in the end is that we just had a great time. We just enjoyed our life. I love Janet to the hilt. And we still enjoy ourselves now. Now the children are gone and that... That was a shock to me. The house is just quiet. <laughs> and it's, a, it's six bedrooms and there's just nobody there. It's just me and my little dog. And some days you think, whoa, you know. So we're now looking at downsizing. So life moves on again. We're going to do something else different and move down to the coast a little bit closer and do our, But enjoy it. Enjoy the family. Great. Enjoy your children, your wife. Have a good marriage all the way through. Stick side by side. And not always is it about making big money. A lot of my Christian friends have been steered off by big money. So don't get caught out with that. Just be happy. And if you're scra scraping and scrimping a little bit, don't worry about it. It's good for your heart, mate. It's good. Good to go without. Good advice. Because you appreciate it when you get it. Good advice. Very good advice. going to land in a moment with one response from all of you on who you're looking up to as a role model in, in fathering, which will be a good thing to look at. And uh, we had a thought that came out along the journey about all the different seasons and phases of life. And I think the goal that's come out today is quite simple. Enjoy every phase and stage. Just begin to celebrate. I think we're under the pressure today of society around about us that I might have to go FIFO just for a season to pay the price to help the family out and then you get stuck into a rhythm and you're not so close. And nothing against FIFO, but if you've got to do those things, know that you're going to have to manage the gaps relationally. Who are we looking up to as fathers sitting on the couch? Someone start us off. My dad, I can honestly say I'm one of the lucky ones. I, um, my dad is the hardest working, most selfless, just consistent guy I know, like flat out. And um, he raised, I've got two older sisters, I've got three younger brothers and he lived his, he's still living, but he's, he has lived his whole life um, for, for his family, for his boys, for his wife, um, as, a, as a true man, as a man that doesn't back down, as a man that doesn't shrink away. 
and who's just as strong into his 80s as, as some 20-year-olds are. Um, yeah, I'm super fat, fortunate. So Excellent. Let's put our to hands together for Nat. She's Paulie's dad. Cliff? I'd say for me it's my, probably my father-in-law. Um, my parents got divorced when I was really young and unfortunately my dad wasn't really that present. Uh, if there is such a thing as a father's gene, I don't think it was really there for him. Uh, so when I met my wife Tamara, who's one of three girls, you know, her dad not having a son, I think he was only too, well, I know for a fact he was only too happy to sort of, you know, take on that role for me. Great. Uh, so in, in, embrace your in-laws, guys. Like, they, they can be good. <laughs> <laughs> How cool is that, that you can uh, embrace and gain that insight from your in-laws? Outstanding. John? Well, really, for me, there wasn't really anybody around. Um, But in today's society, in today's world we're in now, I think the number one person in my life that I look up to as a father would have to be Robert Pike. I've never seen anybody handle his children in such a way unconditional love and the kids love him and wherever he goes he gets loved by people anyway but his children always look up to him and he never you never hear him raising his voice at him I hardly even see him raise his hand and that's where I would be going for sure but (laughs) one thing I'll say about Robert his children always look up to him and I think as a, as a dad, I think I would, would have liked more of that, that my children would be looking further at me rather than the way it was in, a, in, our, in our era. It was different. Now, um, fatherhood is so much different um, in the sense of those kids have got to cope with so much more than what my children would have coped with now, I think. Um, living in this world of COVID, whatever you want to... And all those other things we have out there, um, we need a lot more fathers like Robert that are going to put the time in, make the place for the kids, teach them sport, teach them uh, long to be stronger, longer. <laughs> um, all those sort of things they're going to need now. It's not going to be like it was before. Right? We can't go past, we've got to go forward. And I think in the future, People like Robert as a father are teaching their kids something in strength when it comes to sports and team playing and things like that. We're going to need to do more of that now than we've ever done before. Outstanding. Let me fill in the gaps for some of you that don't know what you've just heard. You've got Paulie who looks up to his own biological father as a figure. Cliff, who's gleaning from his father-in-law as what it is to be a father. Then you've got John on the end of the couch who's saying, you know what, if I was looking up to someone of a model of a father, I'd look to my son-in-law for that example. How incredible is the Kingdom of God to place such humility in the heart that we can learn, that we can aspire by the person that God puts in front of us without looking at the natural relationships. Absolutely outstanding, gentlemen. Thank you. Would you put your hands together and just show your appreciation? Before you move from the couch, I want us just to take a moment, and I know that we've gone over time, 
to look at the ultimate example that we find of a father found there in Luke 15. That when the wayward son wanted to cut loose and take the inheritance, the father let him go. And while he was out there destroying his life in many ways, the father stayed at home and kept the house going, kept the provision going, looked after everything that was there. I'm sure that he spent most nights on the porch, looking out into the horizon, watching, waiting for the son to come home. And the moment the son turned for home, the father didn't wait. I could imagine myself, probably John, you also would probably wait behind the gate, <laughs> let them walk all the way. But he doesn't. He springs open the gate, he runs across the paddock to his son. And the Bible says that he was expressive in his affection to his son in that moment, kissed him on the neck. The generosity of his heart that flowed out was for him to completely embrace the son. It's incredible. Gave him the robe of identity, the ring of authority, and then the sandals of acceptance, just accepted him straight back into the family. I pray that we as dads, could model that into the future. And can I thank you guys for joining me on the couch here today. I think it's been helpful to show you. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.